0: Welcome to the Shannon Plan. This is episode 34. My name is Kyle Posey. I am joined by my co host, as always, Akash. Akash, what up, man? How's it going, man?
1: Another day, another Mac Jones rumor. How's it going?
0: Yeah, we are not going to talk about that quarterback. We are not going to say his name. That is off limits because we are not going to speak it into existence. We tried to do that last week with Justin Fields. Today, we are on BYU quarterback Zach Wilson. We will be joined by JT O'Sullivan later on. But first, we're going to do what we did with Justin Fields last week. So we're just kind of dissect who the player is, compare, you know, some of his numbers from this year and last year. And Zach Wilson in this case is a little bit different because he came out of nowhere. Uh, Nobody really knew who he was coming into the 2020 season. And all of a sudden, now he is, it feels like he's going to be a lock into the number two pick for the Jets. But, you know, you never know. So that's why we're going to cover him because for all we know, Zach Wilson isn't the pick the 49ers could trade up to number two to select him because they are so in love with him. So there's a reason. And let's start with, you know, Zach Wilson, the player have you. We we both have put out our QB rankings. We both you know, have pretty similar thoughts about Zach Wilson. So we're going to play devil's Act advocate here. Let's start with the big question. What makes Zach Wilson QB two or in some cases QB one for some teams around the NFL?
1: So Zach Wilson was that player that had this meteoric rise during the draft evaluation process. Feels like it happens every year with a prospect that just kind of comes out of nowhere. And during during you know the normal college football season, I I watch it more like a fan. And so I ended up watching a lot of Zach Wilson just because college football weird schedule. They played a lot on Friday nights, and he was uh, a I would say a star at that time, just making all these crazy plays, and it felt like especially 49ers fans were just head over heels for Zach Wilson because he was just making all these crazy throws. Um, but after the season, you get back, you get sort of all 22, and you remove yourself from the situation, and you watch Zach Wilson, the player, and you could see why teams would think he's QB2 or QB1. I mean, some of the off-platform stuff, off-schedule stuff that he does where he's kind of on the move and he rips like a sidearm throw that's like 30 yards down the field and dax mill and one of his receivers makes a 50 50 catch and you're like holy hell how did he make that throw and i think that's the most impressive thing about him and you know a lot of people have made these wild comparisons to mahomes and rogers and honestly when he makes those plays you're like yeah i see this see that i could see why people would think that because these, you know, off angle throws and off platform and where he's getting pressured, he's running away and he rips it across body. And you're like, you just can't teach that, right? Like that's just natural, like God given ability. So I could see why, because of that, you would think he's either QB one or QB two, but there's other things past that. Um, And for why I don't, I personally don't think he deserves that QB one or QB two ranking.
0: Yeah, so let's let's stick with the positives of Zach Wilson because he is accurate and he has throughout the course of a game, he will have probably three or four throws that are wow throws where he's putting the ball only in a spot where his receiver can make it. And I think also he gives his guys a chance to make a play and that should go a long way for a quarterback. And Wilson does a very good job of that. And almost, it's almost as if his arm gets better when he's on the move. So he, he can, you know, In a play action, he's on the run. He's throwing the ball down the field 50, 60 yards in the air, throwing these back shoulder throws on the outside of the numbers, and he just makes it look so easy, so effortless. And aesthetically, I think he's the guy. Like, he just makes it look fun. You have the headband. You have, you know, just how his style of play is. He talks crap. So everybody loves that. And, again, he's making plays. So even if he is outside of the pocket, he's a pretty good scrambler too. He's not going to be confused for for, a 4-4 athlete, but – I wouldn't have been surprised if he ran somewhere in the 4.6s or 4.7s, and we've seen him make guys miss. So um, he's just a fun player, and he he put up stats, too. He put up some really freaking good stats. So 33 touchdowns compared to three interceptions. Obviously, there's an interception luck with any quarterback, but uh, 11 yards per attempt this year. He had a quarterback rating of 138. Just his on-target percentage was 83%. His catchable passes was 90, 90%. Uh, epa per drop back 0. 0.39 like he was killing it in every aspect and every measurement that you can think of but again there's reasons for this and for what for whatever reason when we talk about level of competition that comes up for trey lance but it does not come up for byu and when they did play a, you know a good defense sack wilson's numbers were not that good why do you think that gets ignored
1: I honestly am not sure why that isn't brought up. Like you said, it's brought up for Trey Lance all the time uh, with, you know, North Dakota state and that they're kind of the Alabama of division one, double a, and that they just steamroll everybody yet with Zach Wilson. It's just not really brought up. The other thing I, I don't think it's brought up is that I thought his receivers were actually pretty good. Uh, Dax Mill and these guys that would go catch a lot of these 50, 50 balls uh, up in the air. His tight end was pretty good. I forget his name. Um, But he he had a a really, really good offensive line on top of that. It felt like when you were watching him, he felt like he was playing seven on seven sometimes where he had a clean pocket a bunch. Um, So those would be the things. I I just don't know why it isn't brought up uh, when you're having these conversations about who is QB2 or QB1. Um, And the other thing, just back to some of his positives, um, not to jump around, but I think one of the things Kyle Shanahan really liked is his lightning quick release um he may not have the arm strength of some of these other guys but he has this like quick release and he gets the ball out um in these funny angles and i think shanahan especially would take admiration to that especially because that's one of the things that he likes about jimmy garoppolo um and you can see that kind of similarity where they just get the ball out uh quickly uh which helps in like the quick quick passing game right
0: yeah it seems like he has that baseball infielder, like hand speed, I would say, just just how he, he kind of processes it and he gets rid of the ball fast. And that matters because when you're going from read to read to read, if you can get rid of the ball quickly, you are going to you know make up time for that lack of arm strength, quote unquote. So looking at some of his numbers from 2019 to 2020, that's another thing that usually is brought up because when you have this one-year jump, there's, there's a reason. In 2019, Zach Wilson completed 62% of his passes. This year, 74%. His yards per attempt, 7.5. His yards per attempt in 2020, 11. He he had 11 and 9 as far as touchdown interception ratio goes, and I mentioned 33 to 30. Um, Everything just – it's very strange that none of this gets brought up. So quarterback rating, 84, 2019. Quarterback rating, 138. In 2020, so just bonkers. He's always been a good runner, and you cannot take that away from him. So uh, he's averaged 6.3 yards in 2019 and 6.2 yards this past year. um it, I mean, his his deep ball accuracy is just out of control compared to what it was the the previous year as well, and even as far as his under pressure rating. So under pressure in 2019, Zach Wilson's quarterback rating was 38.8 per Sports Info Solutions, and that. Jumped all the way up to 111 this year. So again, wh- why do you think? And and maybe not that. Just what do you think his appeal for the NFL is in the sense that we can just ignore everything that happened last year?
1: It feels like the darling in the NFL right now is you know Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen's of the world, where it's all this off schedule stuff, right? Like when the play breaks down, when you're being rushed, or when the play call doesn't work can you make magic happen off script? And so people see these kind of highlight-worthy throws or these numbers or the deep ball accuracy, like you mentioned, and they tend to fall in love with that. And I think the hardest thing to project for Zach Wilson is, is he truly a one-year wonder where 2020 was just an outlier or did he take this meteoric jump from 2019 to 2020 and he's going to continue to take these steps to become a better, you know, quarterback in the NFL? And ah, it's such a tough projection to make because in 2019 BYU played a normal schedule because so BYU for those you guys don't know they don't play in the Pac-12 they don't play in a major conference and because of COVID in 2020 uh, a lot of these conferences said we're going to only play in conference games and so BYU was kind of left at the altar and they had to uh, schedule a bunch of random games and so their schedule in 2019 was a little bit more traditional they played you know Washington and USC and Utah and these teams that have you know just better players, better athletes on the field. And in 2020, they played a lot of no-names. I mean, I watched one game where they played like Northern Alabama, Western Kentucky, just because they were trying to fill up their schedule with uh, teams out of conference. And so now it comes back to, okay, is it like a level of competition thing between 2019 and 2020 where Zach Wilson just shined against worse competition? Did he truly get better? Um, How much of it was impacted by, you know, covid and it's like, it's such a hard evaluation. And that's one of the things that uh, continues to make me hesitant. And, you know, just another note on quality of defense. So football outsiders ranks, um, you know, college football defenses using DFBI. it's They're rating their metric. Um, and Zach Wilson in 2020, on average, if you look at just all the defenses that he played in 2020, you just rank them. He basically played the 59th ranked defense in college football. And you compare that against Justin Fields, who played like the 25th ranked defense, or Mac Jones, who played like the 50th ranked defense. So clearly, his quality of competition compared to some of these other top prospects isn't in line. And that again adds to the okay, how do you you know rank them when there's all these uh, you know edge cases?
0: Yeah, I'd be terrified because there there are some stats out there that just give you an example of. You know what Zach Wilson has done versus good defenses compared to what he's done against poor defenses, and this uh, I've seen. His name's Thor Nordstrom. He he put out the comparison against you know Zach Wilson versus Power Five non-bowl or Power Five conference teams against G five teams who have at least nine or more wins, comparing each season to each season, and his numbers look a lot like Drew Locke compared to you know just killing you know worst competition and then just barely getting by against above average competition, which would be fine. But we are talking about a top three pick, like a guy that is going to go very high. And based on what we heard on Tuesday, so Jets GM, Joe Douglas, he, who Steve Young said the Jets are committed to BYU Zach Wilson. And if you remember BYU's pro day, the Wilson family was just standing there with Robert Sala and the Jets brass. So Joe Douglas said, Steve's pretty plugged into BYU or Steve's plugged in to BYU pretty well. So that makes you think that, you know, it's it's going to be Wilson for the Jets. But again, you just never know as a, like right now, all we're hearing about is Mac Jones to the 49ers. And again, I said that. Anyway, but uh, <laughs> It just doesn't. It, it's always too good to be true.
1: It is. And, and the other thing is, I understand if Zach Wilson was the most physically gifted quarterback, right? Like, say he was, you know, he had, like, Justin Herbert's size. He was, like, 6'6", just, like, 250, runs like a deer. Like, I'd understand if you have those physical attributes and then there's some question marks behind it why you'd prefer that over some of these other guys. But he's, like, 6'2", like, 200. I think he's at 214, but he definitely looked like he was, like, 190 during the season. And he doesn't run as fast as a Trey Lance or Justin Fields. He doesn't have the arm that those guys have. I don't think he's as accurate as Justin Fields. So then it, it comes back to like, why are the Jets so sold on Wilson as QB2? Is it just something that you and I, who, you know, we both agree that he shouldn't be ranked above those guys. Like, is it, are we just missing something? Like, is it something, you know, um, character wise or, you know, is just, you know, football IQ or football character, football leadership, just something we're missing? Um, so that, that's what I just keep coming back to. And we talked about this before we hit record. Joe Douglas has been with two different organizations. Now the Eagles and the Ravens, right? He was with Ozzie Newsom that entire time. And they took Joe Flacco, what feels like 10 years ago now. And then the Eagles took Carson Wentz and neither of those guys really look like Zach Wilson, right. In terms of size, physicality, arm strength, like, so I'm not, I, I don't really see why Zach Wilson just has this meteoric rise and is now all of a, lo- all of a sudden a lot to be the number two pick.
0: Yeah. I wonder where he would go if he like, so obviously, you know, he, it's very fair to say he would go to the 49ers. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about what do you think Kyle Shanahan sees in him. And one of the things that I think is, is, is giving those receivers a chance because I go back to the Ravens game in 2019, it was fourth and two and they didn't have anywhere to go. And Jimmy threw it up to Debo and Debo came down and made a play for a touchdown to me. Kyle would much rather have Jimmy do that as opposed to holding the ball and not pulling the trigger, which is one of his biggest flaws, in my opinion, that, you know, you can't quantify because he's not throwing the ball. So I think that Kyle would rather have got bet on his guys, whether that's Debo, Ayuk, Kittle, and give them a chance to make those 50 50 plays. And Zach Wilson does a great job of that. And also on these fade throws, he's putting the ball in a place where only his receivers can make a play. And, of course, he has the ability to extend plays and run around back there like crazy. And then once the defense, you know, has to defend you for over three or four seconds, you know, the odds of them stopping you is very slim. So uh, he has that ability to make a play in the second part of the play, and that does, that does go a long way in the NFL. But you, you have to be able to play inside of the structure, which he does, but there is a big part um, that we will get to, you know, one, with one reason why he fell. fail. So what, what do you think is the appeal for Kyle Shanahan specifically?
1: the biggest appeals is quick release. And I've seen Kyle Shanahan talk about this before, uh, especially in relation to Garoppolo is just getting the ball out of his hands off platform um, in a muddy pocket. And I think Zach Wilson just tends to do that. But flip side, part of me is kind of relieved that the, that we think that the jets are going to take Zach Wilson. Um, Cause I feel like Kyle Shanahan would take him if he were there at three over some of these other guys. So So maybe my quarterback evaluation and your quarterback evaluation is just off. It's not. But both of us are. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we know more than the offensive genius. But um, yeah, so part of me, when you come back to, okay, would Kyle take him at three? I think he would if, you know, say Justin Fields went number two and it was between Zach Wilson, um, Trey Lance, and Mac Jones. I think he would. And I think the, the majority of the fan base would be thrilled with that pick because I feel like they see a mobile quarterback who can sling it, who can extend plays and they'd be satisfied with that. And I guess we can, you know, segue into just what we why we think he may fail even in this system.
0: Yeah, so Ben, Al- ben Albright was on this show. I believe it was in March or maybe it was even February on Friday, on a Friday show on Niners Nation podcast network. Be sure to rate, subscribe, review always every time that you listen. But he came on and said that Kyle Shanahan, the head coach of the 49ers, has Zach Wilson as his QB1. And that was when we were, you know, that was when Sims came out and said he has QB1 as Zach Wilson. And then a couple other teams, you know, quote unquote, confirmed that. So it was kind of interesting. But again, I can see why the reason I think Zach Wilson will not succeed. When I say will not succeed, I'm relative to where he's being taken. So I don't think he will live up to the value of a number two quarterback. I want to make that very clear. I think Zach Wilson is a good player. I don't think he's somebody you take number two overall. And the reason why, if you cannot see the field, you cannot play. And he cannot see the field at all. I think he either goes through his reads far too quickly or BYU runs a ton of crossers, like an an amazing amount of crossers in their offense. And he over and over will neglect to throw these routes it's almost as if he's doing it on purpose to say i'm going to throw the ball deep no matter what he throws the ball deep into double coverage when guys are running wide open across the middle of the field and these are plays that are designed to go across the middle of the field he can get away with that in college that's not going to be the case next year could you imagine the Jets are playing the Patriots? The Patriots are going to do everything that, you know, the, be- the better teams like a San Diego State, like a Houston did, where they're f- they're going to say, yeah, throw it deep. Sure, go ahead. Um, and they're going to give you an opportunity to throw it underneath. But what happens when I saw BYU is whether it's a safety coming down or if there's a linebacker coming down they like Zach Wilson didn't see these other defenders running into his receivers and it led to like hospital balls. And when you talk about, and we're going to talk about comps here in a second, but um, with his arm, when, when you hear some of the people that he's being compared to just not on the same level in any way, shape or form. So I think his, his vision is something that I would worry about the most, but again, in like a Kyle Shanahan offense, the receivers are so wide open that it doesn't matter. So he could get away with that, and I can see the appeal for Shanahan in that sense. But it's so much projection, and you have to ignore a lot when when you skip to you know this, the 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 people that he's being compared to. I'll say, how about you? What do you what would be the reason or that he? I don't want to use fail because that's strong, but what would be your biggest holdup with Wilson?
1: Yeah, you're right on the fail part because we talk about these guys. We're like, yeah, they're gonna fail, but it, it's really they're not going to live up to the expectation of being taken number two overall. He may be a successful quarterback and for the jets or wherever he goes, but uh, is he truly a transcendent player? And that's what you're looking for at number two. And we don't think he will be. And I think it's just because of his pocket awareness. And this I've really tried to emphasize, because I think Kyle Shanahan looks for it first, right? Like, can this guy play out of the pocket? Cause I don't think he values like, making, you know, second reaction plays, extending plays. Cause he thinks that his play call, and if you can work through the progressions and see the field, like you just said that it should work. Right. Um, and I think that's, that's an area where Zach Wilson struggles. And you talk about seeing the field. I talk about just like pocket awareness in terms of like, if there's a free rusher or if there's, which, which rarely happened to BYU's offense, cause their offensive line was really good, but it felt like he was running into sacks a lot or, some guys just have a feel in the pocket, um, and we talked about Justin Fields, and Justin Fields is really good with this, where it's just subtle movements in the pocket to evade pressure to be able to throw the ball. And Zach Wilson just for some reason, didn't have that. And that was concerning because I you know, um, a lot of these good defenses they're gonna force you to play from the pocket, you know, uh, on third down in the fourth quarter. You're gonna have to make these throws from the pocket. That's where the best best quarterbacks do that. And I didn't see that consistently enough from Zach Wilson. I just thought I just thought his process from the pocket was poorer compared to these other guys, um, and that's I think a major reason why he may not live up to the draft hype.
0: Yeah, I think in the case of Zach Wilson, some quarterbacks they go through their reads. You know, not quickly enough, and his problem is his internal clock is moving so fast that he's looking forward to the second half of the play when he doesn't have to. Like he can just take what's there, um, hit the play that on time, and then keep the offense moving, stay on schedule. Too often, he's ready to bail out of a clean pocket, which he does often, which will be a problem in the NFL. And when that happens, you're going against these freak athletes, man. These defenses are so fast, and you saw against the better defenses. And even that BYU play that he couldn't outrun defensive linemen at that level. So if he can't do that against the teams that BYU were playing, I just have a hard time believing that'll be the case in the NFL.
1: I remember that it was when they played Coastal Carolina. It was like this Friday night game. It was probably the best team they had played all season up until that point. There was a ton of hype going into that. And, you know, the excuse was that, you know, I think they scheduled that game on like Wednesday. So they only had a couple days to prep, which is fair. But they played this edge rusher. I forget his name. But, man, that guy was in the backfield every other play, and he was making Zach Wilson's life hell. And I vividly remember that and going back and watching it. And I was like, oh, because this is what his life's going to be like in the NFL, right? right. Mike, McG- Mike McGlinchey going to miss blocks or Alex Mack or whoever's that right guard. And you're going to have to be able to be more subtle, I think, in the pocket and make throws under duress and not just bail. um And try to extend the play. And I don't think he's as good of an athlete as some of these other guys to be able to run away from a DB or a safety or something like that.
0: So he also has, you know, the shoulder injury, which is a problem. And that play style would make me would also scare me off because you see when he scrambles and he does get out of the pocket, like he's trying to lower his shoulder against defensive backs if he does not get down or get out of bounds in the NFL, he is not going to last long because uh, these guys, as we saw Jared Goff, Jimmy Ward, even though you think that you're bigger than them, this is what they do. They want to hit you. So that type of mentality at that size is just a dangerous game to play. So let's talk comps because um, you you brought up Derek Carr before the podcast. Uh, Dan Jeremiah has called him, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers type of level. And, People will take that and run with it. So when I look at Zach Wilson's arm, if you look at only his passes that are going outside of the hash and down the field, let's say over 18 yards, he throws some knuckleballs. He throws some wobbly flutter balls, is what we can call them. When you watch Aaron Rodgers, when you watch Patrick Mahomes, when you watch Deshaun Watson, when you watch Matt Stafford, these are tight spirals down the field. That is what a strong, strong arm looks like the ball does not waver when they throw the ball down the field. So that, to me, tells me that Zach Wilson does not have that plus level of arm. So I'm not going to compare him to those type of guys. And it's not fair to him anyway to compare this guy, you know, the small school kid to the best quarterbacks of the past decade probably. So um, I I don't buy that comp. Back to Carr, their play style is a little bit different. Uh, I would say Carr probably has a little bit better arm. Um, I also think that Carr plays the position a little more scary than Zach Wilson. Like Zach Wilson's gonna let it rip, and I love that about him. He's it, a little bit more reckless. Yeah, which will come back to, which can come back to haunt him, but at the same time, um, it it works in his favor as well. So, uh, just the play style would be a little off for me. I don't have a comp, and I don't think we need to have a comp when it's coming to these guys because most comps are forced anyway. There isn't there isn't really anybody in the NFL that reminds me of Zach Wilson. Which could be a good thing because most of the comps we have are either bad or they're too bad players. So uh, I'm not really too worried about that. Is Was there, there anybody that comes to mind when you watch Zach Wilson?
1: Yeah, we we were texting about this the other day and just comps for other guys, and it's been really hard this draft cycle to find like one for one comps. Um, I feel like for a lot of these guys, you see certain traits from you know professional uh, quarterbacks that you're like, okay, this guy is like a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And I understand the Aaron Rodgers, the, the reason why you would make that comparison, right? They have a similar throwing motion, it feels like. And I was watching a Zach Wilson video. He was in like shorts. He was throwing uh, just just practice. And his throwing motion looked very similar to Aaron Rodgers. Um, and so I could see why you'd think that, but their arms are on just completely different levels. Rodgers football IQ on a completely different level and just accuracy down the field. Um, so I, that's where the that comp falls off for me. The Derek Carr thing I heard somewhere, and I get it because they both played at smaller West Coast schools. Derek Carr, obviously a Fresno State guy. Zach Wilson, BYU. Derek Carr in college was actually kind of a reckless, not reckless, but a more aggressive player, I think. I, I just pulled up his stats. He threw 50 touchdowns his senior season. 50 touchdowns, eight picks.
0: Having Devontae to- Adams does not hurt.
1: Doesn't hurt. And they both have you know, B plus arms, I'd say, you know, I wouldn't say they're the best arms, but you know, they're good enough to succeed in the NFL, I think. Uh, but the difference was like, and I told you this before we hit record, Derek Carr went in the second round and we're talking about Zach Wilson going number two. And so that's where it's a little worrisome, right? I think, and Derek Carr has been a good quarterback for the Raiders. Um, and he's probably, you know, for taking him in the second round, that was good value. But if you're taking Derek Carr number two overall, that would just be an utter disaster. And so Zach Wilson would need, would need to be better than that to validate the Jets or the Niners or whoever taking him in the top five. So, yeah, I don't I don't see like a direct comp. The car thing just was kind of close because they're kind of the same size, both like 6'3", 200, both have like B-plus arms, small schools. It was a lot of the other factors much more than their like play style.
0: Zach Wilson at pick 12 where the 49ers were selecting before they made this trade would have been great, great value because a quarterback falling to 12 who you can win with and start with right away. And I want to be clear, you can win with Zach Wilson and the Jets will win games in the NFL because Zach Wilson made plays. Let me ask you this. Would you feel comfortable trading up to number three? Let's assume in this hypothetical scenario, two other quarterbacks are gone. Zach Wilson is available at number three. Would you be cool with the 49ers trading 12, two future future ones, a third for Zach Wilson? No. No.
1: I I wouldn't feel comfortable with that. And a lot of people, again, this social media, Niner fans, see a mobile quarterback and they think, okay, this guy's going to be like Mahomes or whatever, and they'd be okay with it. I would not be because I don't think his ceiling is there. I don't think the upside of giving all that draft capital will – provide a good return on your investment. I I just don't think that. What about you?
0: Yeah, it's tough because imagining him in Kyle Shanahan's offense, he is probably – he's right up there with, you know, all the other quarterbacks as far as a fit goes because they do. BYU does what San Francisco does on offense. Like there is the bootlegs. There is throws on the run, and that's what Kyle wants to do, and he wants to get his quarterback out of the pocket. He wants to throw the ball down the field and down the seams. Just – everything we talked about seeing defenders like we we have there's a quarterback on the roster right now who struggles to do the same thing and we've seen Zach Wilson or I've seen Zach Wilson do have the same issues where there's even in the red zone he's thrown some terrible throws where it's over the middle he's just locked in he has his tunnel vision and he doesn't see another defender coming from another way so um I'm not sure how much your vision can improve As a quarterback, of course, anything can improve as a prospect, but I just wouldn't want to be the person to bet on his vision improving. So for that reason, I would be out. But again, it always comes back to who is calling the plays, the talent around him, because San Francisco is loaded and we are going to finally see that this year. But I I don't know that I would risk all of that on a player like Zach Wilson.
1: Yeah. And and when it comes to Kyle Shanahan, I think you can take any of these top five guys and be like, yeah, Kyle Shanahan is going to make him good. And 49ers can win with any of these guys. So that's where that argument to me can get thrown out, because whoever Kyle gets at three is likely going to be successful with with Kyle. At least I think um, may not hit the be, top the three, he's be the rookie of the year, right? Right, right. Not going to hit, you know, Mac Jones at number
0: three. He's probably going to be the rookie of the year.
1: Probably, assuming assuming the rookie plays 17 games, which you and I think that they will. Um, yeah, should be the favorite for the rookie of the year, just given the offense, given the playmakers, everything. So that's where it's like, okay, we can't just say Zach Wilson's going to be successful, so that's why he should be the pick. I just think when you're risking this much, when you're basically, if you're constantly risking your career with the 49ers, mortgage the future of the franchise to go up and get this player, you have to be like 110% certain. And I'm not sure if we've seen enough from Zach Wilson In just this one season at a smaller school in a COVID year where it's been harder to scout. Like, I'm not sure if all that adds up to saying, okay, I can comfortably say that this guy's like going to be the guy, especially when there's some other guys on the board that I think are better.
0: Yeah, and, and remember Kyle Shannon said this offseason would be determined by previous injury history, and we talked about his shoulder a little bit. So Wilson sure. underwent offseason labrum shoulder to fix a nagging tear. So, like, the shoulder's been bothering him for a while. And that was in 2019, and he also admitted to having this unsolved labral issues in his non-throwing shoulder, but he hasn't missed time because of that. So knowing that those two issues exist on both shoulders, like that is terrifying to me. And why would that all of a sudden get better knowing his style of play, knowing he's going to run, like he's going to be a mobile quarterback, scrambling quarterback and seeing him lower his shoulder. That's probably going to be an issue at the next level. So um, no, I, it's, it'll be fun to see how everything plays out. And I think it's important to say that, you know, we're not rooting against Zach Wilson by any means at all, because I want all of these no. guys to ball out and agree. Um, it. it's, it's just our evaluation. That's it. And I feel like if you go into this objective, it's easier.
1: And the other thing is, you know, when you're criticizing one of these guys or when you're ranking these guys and you have someone, someone has to be four, fourth and fifth. Right. And at the highest level, when we're talking about someone to take at pick three, we have to nitpick like all these things. We have to get into the nitty gritty. And so Zach Wilson, just we think isn't as good as these other guys. And it doesn't mean he's bad. It's just, we just don't think he's as will be as good as these other guys. That's all.
0: Yeah, to say somebody is not as good as the number two, number three, number one player in the class is not an indictment at all about them. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will be joined by the best quarterback from the 49ers this past decade, JTO Sullivan. Welcome back to the Shannon Plan. I am joined by a special guest, a name that many of you 49ers fans will recognize, J.T. O'Sullivan. J.T., thanks for taking the time, man. What's going on?
2: Man, all good. I'm excited. We're getting close, right? It feels like it's like, what is it, tomorrow is the draft? We, <laughs> I wish. We still have a couple
0: more weeks to, you know, talk about the same things that we've been talking about. So um, let's get into it. So Zach Wilson. And you have put out a handful of videos on Zach Wilson. You've shared your thoughts on him, and we're going to touch on those. Let's start with Zach Wilson, the prospect, Zach Wilson, the player, and how he would fit in a Kyle Shanahan offense because we're talking, you know, bootlegs, throwing on the run, moving outside of the pocket. But also, he, the Kyle Shanahan does a lot of quick game things as well. So uh, when we talk about Zach Wilson, what do you like the most about his game?
2: I mean, I like a lot of things about Zach Wilson's game. I think what I like most and that I'm most jealous of as a former quarterback is just how he spins it. I think he's got the best, uh, most consistent upper body mechanics. and I mean, just the release of it, how easy it is, how it jumps off of his hand, how he can make every single throw, uh, how it changes arm angles all the time. But really, it's, it's that it more than anything else. And it's just like a shooter having a great shot. doesn't matter where you shoot it, those types of things for me that I'm most cons- – that I wish – I mean, he's going to be able to be successful in any offense. I know we'll talk specifically Kyle Shanahan. And to me, Kyle Shanahan, that I, I, you know, I don't have the numbers to back it up, but just the way that I think about Kyle Shanahan is less about booty stuff and more about play action. You know, they're, they're, everything is always tethered to their run game, whether it's moving the pocket with bootlegs or keepers. It's that big play action. And Zach Wilson's got the ability to make all the throws – Inside the pocket, outside the pocket, outside the numbers, anticipation throws that I think would have just about every team except Jacksonville kind of salivating about.
0: When you talk about upper body mechanics and just being able to sling it, one thing that stands out every time you watch Zach Wilson is the ability to make throws from all different types of arm angles, whether it's three quarters, whether it's over the top, whether it's submarine sometimes it seems like. Like I've seen rushers have a free path at him, and he's able to get, get the body, get the ball around him. That means a lot, and I feel like that will allow him to be successful at the next level as well.
2: You know. I don't know, I might push back there that it means a lot. Uh, I certainly appreciate it as well. I think it's cool to watch. I think it's aesthetically pleasing to someone who likes quarterback play. You know, as a someone who coaches high school quarterbacks, you know, I'm, to be honest with you, I get pretty upset if I see them come out there and try to do this, you know, on the side all the time. Now, it doesn't mean that they can't do it. He does it and is consistent and it can throw strikes with it and doesn't lose any accuracy and timing as opposed to just going out there playing like recess. I think he's doing it to throw around guys and things like that in the RPO world and within the pocket, to screens. And that you're absolutely right. The creative element is going to translate to Sundays. He's gonna you're gonna see that exact same kind of arm angle, different clubs that he's able to pull out and, and use all the time. And I think it's that's the type of stuff that is unique to him. It's not like he's the only person that's ever played the game that can do that, but I can't remember someone at that level being that consistent with being able to change their arm angle, but still be as efficient and accurate as he is doing it.
0: So you talk about the aesthetics and, and I've said that he is like he's the guy when it comes to aesthetics because it looks fun. It looks great. And how much of that do you think? And this is not really a fair question to you or anybody, but how much do you think that is tied into the evaluation process? Because it looks good. It's getting there. Um, what do you think about that?
2: I mean, I, I'm not going to knock him for having good mechanics. You know, I, I yes. I agree. Uh, It's certainly an element of the evaluation process. I think the other thing for me, and this is me being honest, I'm a big fan of the BYU offense. I like how they operate. I like how their offensive line plays. I like how the run game with their wide zone is connected to their boot and their pass and what they ask him to do off that play action. And he still does things that, that are pretty special with college hashes throwing the ball way outside the numbers on time with anticipation, all those types of things. So for me, yeah, I, you know, it's one of those things where I think he does have very polished mechanics. I think that's a good thing. You know, I think that there are some guys for whatever reason, whether they're six six or maybe have a little bit longer of a windup, that it impacts your efficiency, how, you know, consistent you can spin the ball if you're not able to replicate it all the time. And so I think he's able to replicate it and really go outside the box. And that's where you start seeing the different arm angles and things like that, where you can become creative in that space.
0: You talk about BYU's offense, they have a lot of open receivers running across the middle, and Zach Wilson is not a fan of throwing the ball to those <laughs> wide receivers running the over the middle. Wow. Do you think that is just, and, and I am just brutally honest, and I feel like there's nothing wrong with that, and yes, it might come off as too strong, but that happens, and it happens in a lot of games. Do you think that is, you know, just him being hey, I can do this, I can throw the ball down the field, and that's kind of his nature. Like, when you watch him ignore those throws, and I don't know how else to phrase it, because uh, we talked about it a little bit before the break. If it is, quote-unquote, cross, that is the name of the play. You think that's where the ball should go. So how do you feel about that when you watch him as an evaluator?
2: I come at this from a unique space. Like, my evaluations are very incomplete. I'm going just off the game film. So, like, the NFL teams are getting him on the board in the Zoom chat saying, hey, What are you thinking on this? What are they asking you to do? What are the reads? What is the in-depth part of this play? So why, how the hell did you miss this person wide open running down the field? And if the story jives with what the film says and what they're being asked to do in the quarterback room, then I think it's not an issue. I think that when you turn on the film, there are certainly what I would consider early throws in a progression that are missed. But if you throw on the film of anybody, you'll see that also. I make no bones about it. I've watched more Zach Wilson than I probably watched just about anybody else. He and him, uh, him and uh, Justin Fields, so I can recall things that I'm like, man, they really missed this one play or this throw or that throw. As opposed to you know, I haven't watched every single throw of Felipe Franks or Ian Book. You know, I'm just not I'm not as invested in trying to get a feel on where they're at. And so, guys are gonna miss throws. It's it's the same thing that happens on a team. If you miss a throw on a Sunday, you come to the sideline, hey, what did you see? If what you saw resonates in the picture and on the sideline, well, then we're fine. We're all on the same page now. If you saw something that wasn't there, you're seeing ghosts or you can't tell what the shell is or you didn't know what the coverage is or where your eyes were supposed to be. Well, now we've got a problem. And that's where my analysis is incomplete, where teams are getting these false pictures of, hey, what does he really understand? What are they asking him to do and what they're asking him to do? Does that project to what we want him to do at that position for our organization?
0: And we're talking about just the open crossers that you were just talking about. So you teach a course that's phenomenal. And this is not an ad or, you know, endorsing JT O'Sullivan's Patreon, but it does just make life easier for us to understand the game. And one thing that you have stressed recently is the importance of pattern recognition. And to me, that is one of the biggest flaws. And I come back to an example where, Let's uh, San Diego state, for example, they are running mesh sit. So we have two crossers underneath and the third level receiver is just going to sit down in the middle on that play. Uh, one of the running backs stayed in the block. And that means to the field, the cornerback and the safety both had to, the only mesh receiver. Zach Wilson didn't see that. He comes off of a read, comes back to the crosser, kind of throws the ball behind the receiver and sort of hangs him out to dry. And that happens a lot to me where I'm seeing him not recognize one part of the coverage also, while throwing quote-unquote hospital balls, do you see that?
2: I would probably push back a little bit as far as some of the assumptions you're making on that read and that play, but I will also agree with you that there were throws, especially early on when I was watching him, when I didn't know anything about him. I feel like the rest of the world you know, didn't know anything about him this time in the fall, and I felt like he put his guys in compromising situations on the perimeter. And I, what I mean by that is whether you classify it as a hospital ball or you know, a dangerous throw. And that's something that I can tell you does not sit well with NFL wide receivers. It doesn't sit well with anybody. You know, you do that at a flag football game, you know, the wide receiver is going to be pissed. And so I get nervous when I see that because that to me means either things aren't making sense, things are happening too quickly, or you're just saying, you know, F it. I'm throwing it to my buddy five, you know, like that type of thing where it doesn't matter what the throw is. I'm ripping it to my guy. And so, again, I think that those things come up the exact way that you explained it on that play. If we were really evaluating Zach Wilson for a team, we'd get him on a Zoom call, show him that fo- show him that clip. They explain to me what happened. What were they asking you to do? What was the read? What was your, your footwork? What was the timing of it? And why did you do this? And so without that information, we're all just kind of grasping at straws. But I can tell you that I think that you're I think that you're not off at all by saying there are throws that he that are kind of that ambulance throw where you just kind of cringe and whether he's you know got that gunslinger mentality or you know not making quite clean decisions you don't see that for very many for other guys you sure as hell don't see that from guys on Sundays very often and i know the game has evolved and it really has changed and made it safer down there and you don't see those type of throws by guys who play very long
0: no that last point is a very good one because the guys that are playing right now who have been playing for the last decade they know they just understand it and you mentioned just his aggressiveness and his gunslinger mentality. I feel like that will be appreciated by NFL coaches at the next level because he gives his guys a chance. And whether it is is 50-50 balls, whether you know they might be un- they might be covered, but he just gives them a chance. And I feel like Kyle Shanahan he wants he wants that. He he appreciates that. He wants he's investing early on in these receivers: Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and even Julio Jones way back when. And he wants those guys to get a chance. Do you appreciate that as a quarterback evaluator?
2: Yes. I would also say that I may probably be in the minority on, you know, I'm not in the Sunday game anymore, but it's not like that at every organization. It really isn't. There are some people that are going to be very uh, cautious when it comes to maybe the 50-50 ball or the jump ball to our matchup versus their matchup, those types of things, but just as an overarching philosophical approach, uh, that's pretty rare on Sundays. And so I think that Zach Wilson has the ability – to do a little bit more than that, even I know I make fun of it on the channel, you know, is it a fifty? Is it a jump ball? Is it a great play? Is it a dime? Those types of things. Well, I like when you give your guy an opportunity, especially if your guy's better than their guy. I, I don't think it's a jump ball at that point. I think it's a good matchup. But oftentimes that's not the case on Sundays. You know, Sundays, it's usually a it's oftentimes a wash unless you've got a dude, uh, you know, out there on the perimeter. And so it's just a it's a lot harder to do some of these. I know you alluded to it earlier about college open. You know, he's throwing to open guys. Well, everybody's throwing to open guys. The college game creates more space, you know, with whether it's the hashes or whether it's just a level of talent. So it's about being a little bit more precise in the passing game. But I think Zach Wilson really has shown that he's got the ball control to be able to put it where he wants to as consistent as anybody in this draft class.
0: And that is probably another reason why he's going to be drafted very high. Do, what are your when we're talking about, well, he's going to go to the Jets more than likely. And I don't know how much Jets you've watched, but they're going to run a similar system than than what Shanahan does, because the same coaches are going over there. How do you see his fit? Because you mentioned earlier that when you think of Shanahan, you don't really think of the bootleg, but I feel like they're going to tailor it to Zach Wilson's strength. I mean, that's just we can call that common sense. How much of his um, mobility do you think will you know, help him at the next level?
2: I think he's a better athlete than people probably think when they turn on the film. I know that, you know, for me, I, I was surprised at how explosive he was running the ball, moving around. Now, I don't think he's going to get, you know, they're not going to run power read with him necessarily all the time, but he definitely has the ability to get upfield and create and do those types of things that you see. You know, when I think of like Patrick Mahomes, like he's looking to throw, but if you're going to give him a first down, he's going to run and take it. Those types of situations that I think that he will absolutely be able to do. You know, the the other thing I think it's, you know, I, I'm not quite as comfortable saying, "Hey, they're going to run the exact same stuff that you know the 49ers do." The 49ers have Kyle Shanahan. I think he's gotten a proven track record to be successful everywhere he goes offensively, and so they might try to replicate the system, but it's not quite it doesn't quite fall under the same. Hey, we're going to have this type of success offensively. I think it's worth acknowledging that when you get drafted that high, you're usually going to a really bad organization. That's just the reality of it. That's why they're drafting first or second, and so it's a lot harder. Coming into that spot than it would be potentially for the 49ers when you're a little bit more established of a franchise, kind of on a different trajectory, different expectations, you know, that that type of thing. And so we'll see. I I think that Zach Wilson, if he's able to overcome what the Jets are as an organization and the struggles that will come from a team that, you know, is probably not going to win that many games, if he can overcome that and play at a high level, you know, I think of like Deshaun Watson, that type of level of play in an organization that has been struggled you know, to win consistently, then he's going to be fine. But that's a that's a tough ask.
0: It is. You're asking a lot to have a rookie quarterback come in and basically be the reason you win because we watched the Jets last year and there's not a lot of talent on that team. And obviously they made a lot of additions this past year. But to put all that on a rookie's plate, that is tough. And it doesn't always work out well. Yes, there are flashes um, and they're going to be growing pains and that's going to be inevitable as well. But just to ask Zach Wilson to come in and be your quote-unquote franchise savior, for a Jets team who we know who the Jets have been this past decade for a long time. Yeah, that's it's asking a lot. It's it's a good point.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, the other thing that I always think about when I think Zach Wilson, I think everybody thinks, you know, or loves the comparison, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers. The thing about those guys in the league for me, they're obviously great players, generational talents. They also got the opportunity to sit and they didn't get thrown into a dumpster fire of an organization, you know, for the last few years. And they didn't have to go in there and be that quote unquote savior with a new staff. You know, That they were in established situations. Now, they might have been frustrated that they couldn't play immediately. But there is just an element of growing into what a Sunday preparation is that is different that he won't get the opportunity to do. And so I think it's just another layer of difficulty that's going to be pressed upon him.
0: So you mentioned Mahomes and Rodgers and those are two guys that who ha- he has been compared to because we cannot go a draft cycle without comparing a player to the best quarterbacks in the NFL. <laughs> um when you let's compare their arms because I think Wilson has a good arm but to compare him to like the the most special throwers that we've probably seen in a while that doesn't that's not fair to him. And I think that I've seen a comparison made where some of his throws outside of the numbers where we're getting to the back shoulders, where we're getting on the run um, 30, 40 yards down the field. Some of his balls tend to die. So how is that a fair comparison? And maybe a better question would be, how would you rank his arm?
2: I mean, uh, it would be impossible for me to rank his arm, to be honest with you. I, you know, I, I don't think it's fair to him, to your point, to, to compare him to those kind of generational guys right now. I think that he definitely makes throws on film that are very, very special, really does. And, you know, someone who I can tell you, you know, Aaron got drafted in Green Bay when I was there, so I played catch with him. It feels different. You know, when you play catch with Brett Favre, it feels different. It's a different type of velocity, different type of spin rotation. Those, t- You know, from, coming from a guy who threw a lot of change-ups, you know, when you play catch with someone who throws it hard, heavy, it's like catching a medicine ball, you know, going 90 miles an hour. and So it, it, it feels different. I don't think – I think that he does have that kind of arm talent. You know, I think he'll continue to grow, get stronger, all those types of things. But I really do think he, he is a very special thrower of the football. Now, again, so much of that – It matters about what situation you go into, who you're surrounded by, all those types of things. But just pure upper body mechanics, yes, please, Zach Wilson.
0: And we we talked about his anticipation a little bit, so that and that's why we're trying to keep it as far as trace because we cannot predict what his situation will be like in New York. But when you watch him throw with anticipation, he's throwing the ball on these curl routes before the wide receiver is out of their breaks. He's throwing the ball on these comebacks as the wide receiver is still breaking down. When you see a young player like that. Like, how do you? How does that projection work for you? Because to me, it seems like he understands the offense. Like he understands what he's asked to do, and just giving a guy, giving his guys an opportunity to run after the catch, that means a lot as well.
2: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think immediately to me, it jumps out that he's been very well coached. Uh, He understands the precision of the passing game that will translate to Sundays. The thing about anticipation is it allows your receivers to stay open. So that you know, oftentimes you'll see kind of guys who are a little bit rely more on just a huge arm, a cannon to be able to see someone come open and rip it and put it on him. And it's a completion, but it's a completion and a tackle as opposed to an anticipation throw that allows your receiver to catch it with that separation still from the defensive back, from the defender, to be able to make somebody miss and get into a longer play. And that type of thing compounded over the course of a season of a career allows you to play longer, play better, play safer. You can get the ball out of your hand quicker. You're not taking as many hits. There are just so many things good that come from any sort of anticipation. And I think anticipation can be coached and can be taught. But I've also been around guys that were taught the same thing that just can't pick it up, that don't trust, that can't get the ball out of their hand on time, that can't see it fast enough. And so when you see it on film from someone who's in college and you know that that will translate into a Sunday situation, I think it gets people really excited. And that's why anticipation, or the big A as I like to call it, is is so rare.
0: Yeah, it's very rare. And we don't see anticipation from all the starting quarterbacks at the NFL level either. So um, I want to talk about just JTO Sullivan. So in this situation, um, what has changed for you as an evaluator, as a quarterback coach, as you've been coaching high schoolers that maybe you didn't think was as important five years ago? Because Kyle Shanahan has spoken about this a little bit where – I I think it comes from just playing Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and the best of the best, where he realizes that maybe I'm going to need a guy who can play out of structure a little bit. Maybe not the cannon cannon arm, but I just need more where where I can stretch the field horizontally, throw the ball down the seams. What has changed for you just being around quarterbacks in the past few years?
2: That's a good question. I I would I would probably say the same thing, but I would frame it differently. Uh, You know, I come from a, a dated level of football where you know the quarterback was always protected you weren't going to necessarily run him you know I was never someone who got like you know quarterback power called for me or power read or even zone read really and so nowadays I think especially at the lower levels of football if you're not running the quarterback you're really doing yourself a disservice and so it's not that that translates directly to Sundays although a lot of organizations will run their quarterback especially in the red area uh, because it is just a mathematical advantage it just is If you're unless you're playing cover zero, it's impossible to stop the quarterback run game. And so when you play cover zero, it opens up everything else, obviously. Right. You got to make sure you make a tackle or it's a house call. And so that, to me, has changed the game. And there's a bunch of rules as far as the RPO that have really changed the game and how you can stress a defense horizontally, both ways and vertically with a with a pass option. And if you have somebody who can process and identify it in that kind of system, it's a lot of fun to play offense. But if you're not going to run the quarterback. And going from someone who that was a hard thing to learn because you're so invested in the development of the quarterback that you really need to, it's kind of a gone away in my mind, at least at the high school level specifically, to be like, we're so invested in this one quarterback. Well, you better have some depth because we're going to run this cat. The next guy better be able to step up and play. And so it's helped me as a coach kind of build depth at the position and across the program to know that, hey. We're not going to change who we are to save one guy. So one guy doesn't get hit or one guy doesn't make, you know, get tackled consistently. We're going to run this guy. This is part of the part of the game, part of our offense. And it's, I think it puts a lot of stress on a defense.
0: It is impossible. That is a great word because as somebody like I coach low just high school football here in Phoenix and we go against some dudes like uh, Oklahoma quarterback Spencer Rattler. I coached against him. And as soon as the play breaks down, we don't have something, somebody to account for that type of guy. There's nothing that we can do. And we're on the sideline drawing up different ideas and time and time again, like he just finds a way to beat that. And it sucks. Like it makes us want to pull our hair out. Why do you think there was so much resistance to that? Like, why did it take us so long to get here?
2: Uh, I think a few different factors. I think the probably the most important thing is that the best athletes are playing quarterback now. And that just wasn't the case, you know, a generation ago. You know, they were probably getting asked to play tailback, getting asked to play, you know, linebacker maybe. Where now they're saying, no, 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 no. You know, I see this. I, I know I can play this position. I want to play quarterback. And when the best athlete is playing quarterback, you got to get him the ball. And so it's, it's one of those things where I think it, it made it easier. And I think it's just, uh, you know, it's kind of trickled up and trickled down as far as what it looks like from what the zone read brought in to evolving from the triple option to kind of the spread triple option with the bubble stuff and zone read to now multiple layer RPOs. And the rules are a little bit different as far as what linemen can do down the field and when you're ever going to get that called and those types of things that have made the game a little looser, a little bit more stretched. And it just puts so much stress on a defense that coupled with the fact that you can't really tackle practice tackling can't do that live stuff that probably you know a couple generations ago you're used to doing in practice with those types of reps it's made tackling even more of a premium and so i just think the quarterback run game puts such a stress on the defense because even if you're numbered up even if you're gapped up you still got to make the tackle and that's our best athlete so good luck
0: yeah i'm it doesn't work out well and more more often than not that quarterback is going to make you look really silly and again it sucks and this is just me venting because i hate it hate it hate it let's uh let's tie it back into zach wilson and the rpo game because that has taken another level especially in the nfl i mean obviously high school and college as well for a quarterback like Zach Wilson, who is athletic, who has the arm to make all these throws. How does your RPO game, if you were his play caller, let's say, for example, how would your RPO game change if you had Zach Wilson compared to, you know, maybe not, an, not a quarterback who is athletic as him?
2: Uh, you know, it, w- it wouldn't change it, but it wouldn't necessarily be a complete overhaul. I think what I mean by that is that I think most robust RPO systems, and we'll talk in just, Let's talk to college level, uh, but I can use my high school offense as an example as well. We have all three layers of RPOs, so we can read someone at the defensive line, make it a little bit more triple option-y. We can have you know, a linebacker type red, a second level RPO, where it's a little bit more you're attacking space if that guy inserts into the run fit. And then we have third level RPOs where maybe we're off an alley player or an overhang or a CB type where we're taking more of a vertical stretch with like a glance or a deeper slant or seam or a pop. And so I think all I think col- most robust college programs have all of those things as well. I think the league is slowly starting to evolve with that. I think the league is a little bit different just because it has a little bit tighter uh, restrictions on ineligibles downfield. But I think that they've even mastered how to get into like the wide zone double teams to be able to stay more at the line of scrimmage, so you don't have a guard, you know, chasing a linebacker eight yards down the field, make the obvious call. And so. I just think it's part of the game now. I think it puts a premium and a huge stress on a the defense. But I, there, there actually is no way to defend it. Even if you're perfectly sound, gapped up, uh, you know, the offense, I guess, always has the chalk last. Now, you still have to execute it. And that's the hard part sometimes to make those throws. But, you know, unless you're willing to go play man-to-man every single time and you can tackle the quarterback in space, it's going to be a tough day.
0: Yeah, my, my favorite part about high school football is when offensive linemen get eight yards down the field and they're still not calling that uh, Happens so much. But again, just me ranting. So um, we've, we've talked about Zach Wilson. We've talked about RPO. We've talked about what he will bring to the NFL. Um, let's talk about just. I mean, the quarterback in general, and you know, he's an athlete, he has a big arm, he's accurate, he throws with anticipation. So those, those factors right there are great. What I want to know is what is not teachable? Cause we've talked about that as well. And I, I was, have a little concerns with his vision. Can you teach that to somebody? And obviously you can spend some time in the room with him. We don't know the player, but how difficult would it be to improve somebody's vision? Uh, yeah. I think
2: now you start getting into some some muddier water as far as what's teachable what's coachable i think it depends on who you talk to uh i have been around people that just the game is too fast and what i mean by that is it's it's not that they can't see what's happening if we watch film together they'll be able to say oh this is that coverage this is where the ball should go but then you get out there and it's eye level and you're in a helmet and things are just moving too quick and i'm not saying that that's zach wilson by any means i've just been around quarterbacks that are very good in the classroom that all of a sudden things are too fast on the field. And so I think that there is some artificial kind of cap ceiling for all of us as far as what you know what we're able to see consistently. I don't necessarily uh, n- probably fully agree with you that he's got just massive blind spots as far as what that vision looks like. I think that as you play, you know I know personally for me going through a decade in the league, I certainly got more comfortable seeing things the longer i played you know that, that you don't have to, you have to be a genius to figure that out but i also came in with a really good foundation about what kind of the core principles of defense are what how to attack certain coverages those types of spatial things so i'm sure he knows as well you know i think it's just about being able to tether that to what he's asked to do and again so much of this is luck You know, who your coordinator is, who your coach is, what what the organization that you go to asks you to do, and then what that opportunity looks like. Now, he's obviously going to get an opportunity to play immediately. But for the vast majority of guys, you know, you're not going to get that opportunity. So you got to struggle and kind of fight and claw and make the most out of those opportunities and learn from other guys playing. But at the end of the day, can it be taught? You know, yes and no, I guess would be my answer to that. So you've
0: spent time as both a starter and a backup. How big of a role does that backup quarterback play, especially with helping a younger quarterback?
2: I think it depends. You know, uh, if it's a younger quarterback, I think it's a different relationship. I think it depends on, obviously, the starter, what they're looking for. I think you're always trying to be as supportive as possible. I've been around some people that want a lot of information on the sidelines. I've been around other people that, you know, you'd think that they were throwing a no-hitter every single game. You know, you want to they, they don't, they're going to go sit over there in the corner by themselves. I, I probably think that it's somewhere in the med- in the middle, Is probably the best way to do it. You know, I think that the backup has a responsibility to the team to be that kind of liaison between the offense and the coaching staff and, you know, being able to communicate with different personnel groups. It's not always, hey, hey, quarterback, this is what they're doing on the sidelines. Like normally the quarterback has a pretty good idea, but be that conduit between the offensive line, the perimeter, hey, grab a wide receiver. Hey, we know we're going to call this next series. You good with the split you good with the depth you know those types of things to just be an extension of the staff and know what your role is but it was always different depending on what the starter wanted sometimes the starter you know really needed a little bit of help on the sidelines wanted to be basically confirm. hey are you seeing the same thing i'm seeing hey are they doing this hey has anything changed those types of things that where some guys were just like hey you know i'm good i'm gonna get my gatorade and be on the bench
0: this is awesome. Man. I appreciate you taking the time, JT. That's all I have for you. Is there anything that you want to plug? Obviously, you do great work at the QB school. What else are you working on?
2: No, I mean, I appreciate the support. I have a lot of fun with the, with the channel on YouTube. I really do. The, the stuff that probably takes it to another level for me are the courses. I would never have thought that I enjoyed doing that course content as much as I do. So if people are looking to kind of take their understanding to another level and enjoy the channel on YouTube, oh. get over there and check out the courses. I appreciate it.
0: Get his pass protection course for $49.99 so I no longer have to argue with you guys about this. That is what I would say. Thank you again, JT, man. I appreciate it. Uh, Thank you for listening, gentle listener. Please rate, review, subscribe to us at Niners Nation and go Niners.